Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 30. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 30. The Bible says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. He says, grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. 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 The Bible says, by whom ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. He has sealed you to the day of redemption. He is inseparable from you. To the day of redemption. So he says grieve him not. Say amen. In my earlier years of salvation life. More so in the time of my university days. I was introduced to the Holy Spirit. In a dimension. That I had never understood him before. Or at least I had not even heard men talk of him before that way. I had an experience of him that I needed months to understand and I needed to read certain books and histories to understand exactly what had happened to me. So I encountered the person of the Holy Spirit in an experience. I'd known God since I was little. Like I already say, I'd received Christ at the age of eight. So I believe that I'd received the Holy Spirit. Because when you are born again, you receive the Holy Spirit. He dwells in you. Praise God. He's the indwelling power of God. And so I cannot doubt that I had the Holy Spirit when I was young. I experienced that place of him coming into my life from the day I believed. By faith. Okay? But I had not gone into the experience of the person of the Holy Spirit. It's like Jesus Christ. Right? Jesus begins as an experience of faith. And then he becomes a deeper experience. When you receive Jesus, you receive him through faith. Right? The Bible says, may Christ dwell through you by faith. In other words... When we are told to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he is received into our hearts by faith. You receive him. You say, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. You get so deeply and rooted and grounded in him. That is by faith, right? But like all knowledge in faith, there is a sort of an incompleteness when that knowledge does not carry a certain experience. Somebody shout hallelujah. That is why when Paul is speaking about the love of God, 
He says that you might know the love of God, which passes knowledge, right? The Amplified, he says that you may really come to know practically, he says, through experience for yourselves. Are you hearing that? The love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. It's one thing to know that Jesus loves you. It's another when you experience the love of Jesus Christ. It's one thing to know that Jesus saves. It's another to experience the salvation of Jesus Christ. It's one thing to know that Jesus provides. It's another to experience the provision of Jesus Christ. It's one thing to know that Jesus changes. It's another to experience the changing power of Jesus Christ. So, knowledge is wonderful, right? The life and space of knowledge is wonderful. It's excellent. But God wants you to get a practical sense of experience for yourself. That love that far surpasses all knowledge without experience. And he says that you might be filled through all your being and to the fullness of God. He says, because of that experience, the Bible says you will have the richest measure of the divine presence and you'll become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Why are we at the place where we're filled and flooded with God himself? Because it goes beyond just the knowledge without experience. It becomes a knowledge with a personal experience, a tangible experience to know him yourself. Somebody shout amen. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. See, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you automatically carry the Holy Spirit in you. He's indwelling. He dwells in you as well by faith. But a time comes when you have or everybody must have an experience right? With him. An experience with him. An experience with him. One of the experiences will be the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's one experience, right? But it's not the only experience of God. There are experiences with the Holy Spirit that are hard to express in human language. Praise God. For the first time, when I had an encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit, I understood what finally God meant when he said he loved me. Because, you see, they can tell you, ah, God loves you. But until you experience this love, you can never understand. And then as I continue to fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit, I started to realize that the person of the Holy Spirit was a person. He was a person. He had the nature. He had attributes. He had a thought line. He had a way he thinks. He had a heart. A way he functioned. He was like a person. He was not just that innate power or that power that simply is existent to execute the will and purposes of God on earth without any attachment to us. I started to realize that he was a person. He had feelings too. He had a mind too. He had a ministry too. He had a deliberation to build a relationship like you will want a relationship too. He enjoyed love like you do. He enjoyed to speak and fellowship 
like you do. He's a person. The Holy Spirit is a person of God. He's a person. You get it? Now, when Ephesians 4.30 tells you, grieve not the Holy Spirit, it means he can grieve. He can hurt. He can vex. He can have sorrow. He can feel bad. He can feel abused. He can grieve. He can feel pain inside him. Because of us. You understand? And it is something we just simply mention. But until you understand the fullness of his love, he is the most loving thing you could ever encounter. He is the sweetest thing you can ever encounter. He is the sweetest person you could ever know. He's, I mean, this goes beyond words that we can articulate. You have to experience him yourself to understand. Nobody can tell you about the Holy Spirit and you understand him without fully experiencing him. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. And so in my university days, a few encounters came through. And those encounters sort of started to, you know, open my eyes to this person and my sensitivity and deliberate recognition of his existence in me, but also his plan to have a relationship with me and what he would do when he's happy. You understand? And what happens with him when he's grieved? You could sense it. I could enter a room and know that there's something wrong or right. One overnight, many years ago, I was invited to preach in an overnight. One overnight, many years ago. And it was a youth overnight. And so there was a list of preachers, I think, that even announced them already as not part of the really the frontline ministers of that night. But because the host knew me, he said, come to the overnight and at least give a word of a few minutes. So I came in and I sat. And then I sort of um, intercept the conversation where my host is trying to plead with these programmers and the whole group of people Grant this man at least 10 minutes, please. Because even on the overnight, they had planned not to allow me to speak anything. Not that I was desperate to speak anything I had wanted to. The host was the one who had called me and asked me. It was an invitation from the host. But it seems as though he was also hosting a bigger group of a certain fraternity and community of the youth fellowship of our home area. And so they did not know me. And so they had their choice ministers. So this person says, I insist. This young man has a message. Please allow him to speak to the people, please. So I intercept the conversation while they're pleading. I tell this guy, you know what? You don't need to plead with them to do this. I can sit. I can enjoy. I don't need to preach. The host insists and insists. And he said, okay, 10 minutes maximum. 10 minutes. Tell him even if they're five. Because I did not mind not ministering. I understood the dynamics of, you know, the ministry. And so... The first minister gets on and starts preaching. And as he started preaching, um, I'm not the kind who is quick to, you know, get stirred the wrong way, even with the most carnal people. 
but I had a feeling like I'd never felt before in my life. When this man started speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking, while he was speaking in 10 or 15 minutes, the Holy Spirit told me, I had this very clearly in the ear. He's grieving me. I said, he's grieving me. I remember the someone he was preaching about. He should have preached, I believe, the word because he was invited to preach the word. But I think that was one of those days where, you know, like how some ministers have exercised themselves for so many years that, you know, they don't wait, you know, before God for Rema. And then by experience, somebody starts to throw lines that he thinks that are enough because he's qualified in the eyes of men. And... Um, in about 20 or 30 minutes of the sermon, everything Kano was in the room. Then he started talking about people who are dating the single, and then he's not educating them about anything productive, but he's making fun, and fun is okay, but at a particular point, there's a time where the fun goes a bit overboard. I don't know that you understand what I'm saying. It's okay to be funny if you're anointed and you hear God, but when you're switched off from God and you become funny, you become Kano. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he spoke a lot of carnal things I wouldn't want to repeat on this pulpit. And I heard the spirit said, I'm grieved. I'm grieved. I'm grieved. And the spirit made me feel the pain that he was feeling in that room. I can never express what I felt when this man was preaching. Yet I was not angry toward him. I didn't set any charge against him. My heart was free. I loved him even in his carnality. But there was a grieving in my spirit because he had set himself against the order of what the spirit was to do that very night. I don't know how or why that man got on the pulpit, but he was. So I was not angry, but I was grieved as well. So my heart started weeping. And then he gets off and then they put on another fellow. And then this guy also wasn't. He's also speaking about, you know, women's nails. And so we get to the midnight. And before I knew it, even the room was canal. Because it was a youth overnight, one fellow would speak from one corner. It was like a, a room of about 100. One young man would speak from one corner and send a joking insult on the other. He's mentioning names, and it became so funny. You understand what I'm saying? It became so carnal. I heard the Spirit tell me very clearly, these things grieve me. And the sons of men do not know this. And so, they finished, did all their stuff. They called me. It was about midnight and a half. They gave me the 10 minutes, as surely as the Lord was. I did not go on the pulpit, to attack or say what they were saying. I simply made a statement. And I built on it for 10 minutes. The power of God hit that room. Up to 8 a.m. in the morning. Literally, the program, the next preachers, the music artists, the tea. <laughs> the food that was supposed to be eaten, the changings of programs and fun, the praise and worships that were in between, 
all of them ceased. The Spirit of God hit that room. They call me. Some of the people woke up at 8, 9, 10 a.m. You understand what I'm saying? I saw God move. It scared me. You understand? And that day I got a lesson. In my head I was like, okay, yes, I have known you to grieve. But I had never known that you seek to build relationships with your ministers that go beyond the gift of the Spirit. God wants to build a relationship with you that even goes beyond the gift of God operating on your life to the assignment and mandate, his definitive purpose of a generation. I don't just stand on an altar because I'm gifted or because I can teach the word. You understand what I'm saying? It has been years of building a relationship with this person. And to be sensitive, to be very sensitive, not to grieve him. Not to grieve him. Now, Paul is talking to believers here. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. But you see, some people's hearts are so callous. In there, there's something about them that they're never sensitive about the person of the Holy Spirit. They're not sensitive about his feeling with them. When God helps you to be sensitive to the slightest nudge of the spirit, when it's just off the course of divine purpose, you're a blessed man, you're a blessed woman. Because you serve too much. You know the conversations to walk out of. You know the conversations to have. You know the people to relate with. You know the relationships to end. You know the buildings you should enter. You know the buildings you should walk out. You know the vehicles you should go into. You know the vehicles you should not go into. You're provoked at the appearance of evil. There are things that they get so natural about you. It does not mean that you're going to 100% fulfill everything. I'm only saying that even at the slightest failure, you understand, of self to do what is pleasing to the Holy Spirit, there is something that catches you. To repent, to change your mind and say, Holy Spirit, this is not my way because you have not ordained and anointed me to walk this way. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what the Bible calls godly sorrow. It's what leadeth men to repentance. Repentance doesn't lead to godly sorrow. No, godly sorrow leadeth men to repentance. It's the sorrow of the Spirit that causes you to say, you know what? I've been walking this way for so long. I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. I have to turn it. Somebody shout amen. If there's anything, I ask God. I always tell him every time in my life of relationship, I tell him, God, that conscience, that conscience in me that is alive to the heart of the spirit, that should be alive always. Anything around me can die, but not the place that he has God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not the place that he has God. Not the place that relates with the spirit of God a certain way. Because he's so gentle that you could miss him. He's so gentle. He speaks in a very gentle way that you could miss him. He's never imposing. No. He's ever inviting. 
But he's never imposing it. He didn't impose himself on men. In fact, even in his invitations, there's just the simplest spelling of love. It's just love. You feel that he's drawing you with love. You see that he loves you. He's true. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's true. He's faithful. He's here. He's for you. He's never against you. You understand what I'm saying? So, when I realize that he can hurt, he can pain, he can be vexed, I took time to understand him as a person. I cannot say that I've not grieved him since. You understand? No. I think I have grieved him since. But I have gotten the consciousness in my spirit to pick it very quickly and turn. And turn. And turn. You understand what I'm saying? Now, there is a very common scripture that I've heard, you know, confusing so much among men, believers. And many people ask a question around Mark 3.28, where Jesus says in Mark 3.28, he says, Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost has never forgiveness. He hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. In other words, you can do every kind of sin, every kind of blasphemy. But he says, but if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, he says, there shall not be forgiveness, but you're in danger of eternal damnation. And I've had experiences where people have asked me, what is blasphemy against the spirit? Have I committed blasphemy against the spirit? If I have, then I know that there is no forgiveness. All others are forgiven except this one. And I know that there is eternal damnation. And many people think, and say, maybe in my life I've committed the sin of blasphemy, of unforgiveness, where with God can never forgive me. So then, why am I even wasting my time in salvation? Yeah? I have committed something that is unforgivable. Yet he forgiveth all sins, but not one against the Holy Ghost. Now, if you continue in the next verse 30, Jesus says, because they said he hath an unclean spirit. Now, I want to explain that. It's not possible for a believer to commit the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That is not for a believer. You cannot be a believer and then say that Jesus has an unclean spirit. You understand what I'm saying? As long as a man is still alive, okay, there is grace for that man. The grace of life. But when a man becomes born again, grace, the experience, the person of Jesus Christ becomes a part of your story. For as long as you still believe that Christ is dead and is raised from the dead for our glorification, you cannot blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. So that kind of experience is for unbelievers, men who have refused to receive him, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. You know, okay, for example, there are men who call other men devil worshippers, cults, 
and they're believers too. But those are just ignorant men. Okay? Those, at the second time, God will give them, you know, knowledge. And they'll come to repentance. Right? Because you can say something out of ignorance. You say, oh, that guy is this. He's a devil worshiper. Oh, he's this. Okay? And this man is of God. Or this woman is of God. If somebody says that, and they are believers in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, those are simply speaking in ignorance. They don't fall in that class. Because at a particular point, if they encounter God, they can come to repentance. They are not set against divine order simply because they are deliberate about it. They are set against divine order because they are ignorant about it. And the essence of the gospel is to give knowledge. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, no believer should ever worry about the sin against the Holy Spirit. Or probably you'll ask me, what is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? To set yourself an irreconcilable to God. You understand? When a man sets himself irreconcilable to God. In other words, even if I discover that he is God, I'm still irreconcilable to him. The scripture speaks of men which have no roots, are twice dead. If you read scripture, you'll see that there are people, even if they get to know the truth, they cannot take it. You understand? Listen, all devil worshippers know Jesus is the son of God. All of them. All. I mean, how can they not know? Because they serve one man. They should know. You cannot say that Satan exists and God doesn't. How? You understand what I'm saying? The ignorant ones may be fine truth, but the deeply imbued ones, the deeply seated ones who, you know, serve Satan face to face, they know. You get it? So there are people who are opposed. Even when they know the truth, they can't take it. They just cannot take it. You get it? But that is unbelievers. That is people in the covenant before. The scriptures give an example of Hebrews in a time where Esau, you remember Esau? Who for a muzzle of meat sold his birthright, right? And the Bible says, so he sought for a blessing of an inheritance. The Bible says he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. The Bible doesn't say he found no place of forgiveness. The Bible says he found no place of repentance, though he sought it with tears. You know, it's Esau, found himself crying because he could not repent. So those are the tears. We're not talking about the place of forgiveness. We're talking of a place where Esau found no place of repentance in him. He loved the world so much that even when he knew now that this is the right thing to do, he would not do it. And so he saw the place he was weeping. In his heart of why can't I repent? Why can't my heart you know, there are people who are so sold, you know, to evil, that even when they realize the truth, they just can't. That's not for a believer. So be free. Tell your neighbor, be free. Somebody shout hallelujah. But with believers, there are things that are done that grieve the spirit. Right? If you go back in Ephesians 4.30, in fact, before, he speaks of how no corrupt communication should come out of your mouth, uh, but that which is good to the use for edifying, that it might give grace unto the what? The hearers. In other words, when you set yourself to 
speak words that are corrupt, that breach the spirit. They grieve the person of the Holy Spirit. That is why the message of grace is not just a gospel, a good gospel, a new thing. No, it's as old. Are you hearing me? Why do we speak grace? Because the mind of God is to the edification of men. If we speak any corrupt communication, the Bible says we oppose and set ourselves against the order of the spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit when our communication is corrupt. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When our communication is corrupt, we grieve the person of the Holy Spirit because his communication is a ministry of grace and it seeks to the edification and not destruction of men. The Spirit of God seeks to edify men, not to destroy them. You understand? And so later on, after the 30th verse down, he continues to speak of bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, and malice, and all these kinds of things. But, fundamentally, I have seen that there are possibilities in the faith, particularly with Christianity, where we can set ourselves to grieve the person of the Holy Spirit, right? In forms that might not be as direct as some of us think, but are existent in Scripture. And by the way, all of these are automatic with unbelievers. <laughs> you understand? Now, some of you have had things like resisting the Spirit. You ever heard of that statement? To resist the Spirit? In Acts 7.51, when Stephanus is about to die, he asks them a question. He says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, the Bible says, and ears. He says, You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Right? In other words, there were men in the time, uh, the Jews then, which had subscribed to Judaism. When the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, they set themselves against the ministers of the gospel then. They set themselves against the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the person of Jesus Christ by then denouncing his person, his existence then. Because Judaism only believes in that coming in the cloud, but not the physical coming of Jesus. You understand? And so they never believed in the coming of the Messiah. Right? But many of them, even before the coming of the Messiah, they fought the prophets and ministers of God many years ago, which carried the spirit of Christ. Remember, Jesus comes in the flesh. Christ comes in the flesh in the name of Jesus. But Christ existed before the flesh. The Bible says he was the rock from which they drank. Isn't it? He was the fire by night and the cloud by day. In Peter he says, and the salvation of old, which was preached of the prophets of old, he says they searched what manner of the time the spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow after. And to whom it was revealed that not unto them, but unto us they did minister these things, which are preached to you through the gospel. In other words, the spirit of Christ was upon the prophets of old. And there are people who set themselves against those people. You understand what I'm saying? Now, in the book of Acts, 
Stephanus refers to them as stiff-necked and uncircumcised hearts. Well, what does it mean by stiff-necked? Stiff-neckedness is a place where you are so glued to one opinion of God that you can't open your heart to see the possibility of another opinion. And there are people like that. You get it? You hear, oh, this person is preaching this. Okay, before you judge them, first listen to them. You get it? Why? Because if you just judge them by what you hear, okay, it means that you are opined to one direction. Your opinion and mind is only set on one way of seeing things. You will never turn to see another way. That's what it means to be stiff-necked. Because physically, if you're stiff-necked, you cannot turn to look at the other way of things. You understand what I'm saying? And so during that time, these apostles, the disciples are telling them, look, Jesus has come. Okay? But they're not even able to consider or search out these things to know whether they were so. All right? And now the Bible says there were also uncircumcised hearts. There were men which are uncircumcised in the heart. You know, there's something that they were never changed within. Praise God, because the Bible says in Romans chapter 2, verses 29, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. Right? Circumcision is supposed to be within. You see, it's one thing to be born again. It's another to be converted. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's another for conversion to take place in the hearts of men. You understand? Thank God for the word of his grace. Because as we hear that word, every other day we are converted. Our mindsets are changed. Our attitudes are changed. Our thought patterns are changed. Our, you know, stiff opinions are changed because we hear the word of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. The word of God is the circumcise of men's hearts. It is the sword that circumcises hearts. You understand what I'm saying? So every time the word of God comes, right, it is dealing with you as an individual. You get my point? But you see, there are people who resist the order. Of the spirit. Right? For example, the scripture says that he that resisteth the powers resisteth God for all powers are ordained of God. You can resist the spirit by resisting those anointed by God. You can resist the spirit by resisting the powers. Now, even in the most practical sense, sometimes it even goes beyond the spiritual obvious things. Sometimes it goes in the things that are godly, but to some of us are not obvious. You understand? I'll give you an example. The laws of the land, these are powers ordained by God. The governments of this world sort of have a hand of God in the leading. The foundations might be, you know, warped into other things. Yes, we agree. But there is an action of God in government. How many of you know that? Yes, there is. 
That's how healing is extended through medicine for people in hospitals and, you know, programs of education and many of those things. And you see God there in a way. You see? It takes you to even the smallest thing that, for example, if you cross a traffic light when it is red, you see? Uh, no, Kaposo, that's not grieving the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit is not when I don't pray on Sunday. No, listen. <laughs> when you become born again, you become a light. You become an example. You understand what I'm saying? And imagine you're driving this car and the lights are red. Are you hearing me? And you're driving and you have a funeral sticker. <laughs> Praise God. The spirit of God started to even convict me on a traffic light. Praise God. Let me tell you. For me, when I was starting to hear the Holy Spirit, can I tell you my first experience of learning to hear the Spirit? I was in the hostel, and I was eating a banana, right? And, you know, I opened my banana. I chew it. It's nice. And then I come out, and then there was a dustbin just in one corner like that. I come out like this, and then I see the dustbin. And that's the dustbin, and I'm here, and I get the banana peel, and I'm... And I missed, and I turned back. And the Holy Spirit told me, go pick it, put it in the dustbin. Praise God. I got the banana peel and I put it in the word. He taught me to do small things. Why haven't you laid your bed? Some of you think he'll first bring an angel to you and tell you the mystery of the cave of Abdullam. <laughs> tell your neighbor, it's those small things. Now, if I had refused to do that, then I would grieve the person of the Holy Spirit. Because God doesn't like dirty places. Hello. Imagine you're a Christian and you're trashing. Eh? Some of you Christians are like that. You just finish your bottle. You throw it there and then you just walk. That's why you don't hear God. If you're not faithful with a little, how will he trust you with more? Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, that's why I said you can miss him because he does not speak the way some of you expect him to appear as though he's not concerned with the smaller things. He is concerned with even the brushing of your shoe because you're the light of the world. He wants you to look a certain way. Are you hearing me? Do you understand what I'm saying? He wants you to appear a certain way. You cannot tell me that you are led of the spirit not to study. How? How? Do you understand what I'm saying? I thought you get excellent grace that you might bring glory to God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, we all studied too and we're great students and we are deep. They didn't take away the anointing that you carry. No. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which work strengthens me. It was those small things. And when I heard in the small, I started to realize I could hear in the bigger. I could hear in the bigger. That is why somebody can do something and you're like, but this is so obvious that a person this age would not have done this, but they've done it because they killed the voice long ago. They frustrated the voice long ago of the person of the Holy Spirit. Because when you do, a certain falsehood clothes you. A certain falsehood. It doesn't matter how 
true you speak. A certain falsehood clothes you because you have treated the order of God with disdain, with dishonor. You understand what I'm saying? That a certain falsehood. That's why there are ministers who look so deep. But God cannot entrust them with a ministry. Because there are things they have done over the years. And they've killed a certain, not that he didn't speak anymore, but that part of their life, they cut their ears from it. Their hearts are too resisted. You get it? So if you resist the powers, you resist God. You grieve the person of the Holy Spirit. It's those small things some of you receive as instructions in church. And you take them very lightly. Some are grieving when you don't. If it's God who has spoken. Praise God. Somebody shout hallelujah. In Isaiah 63 verses 10. The children of Israel, the Bible says, rebelled against God. The Bible says they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. The Bible says, therefore, he was stunned to be their enemy and he fought against them. The Bible doesn't say he turned and became their enemy. The Bible says he was stunned. Let me explain that. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit can set himself against you. No. But you can set yourself against the way of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the Bible doesn't say he turned. No. The Bible says he was turned to be their enemy. That means they set him as an enemy. They started to look at the person of the Holy Spirit as an enemy. And the Bible says, and he fought against them. Not as one who deliberately says, let me fight you. But as one who fights for God and fights for truth. And when they set themselves against truth, then consequently they find themselves in the way. Or he finds them on the way of stumbling. So it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit will turn and fight you. It only means when you set yourself against God, you'll find yourself in war with the person of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I'm making sense. Huh? And again, I say that that is why it's very key to hear God for yourself personally. Don't ever move on the rumor of what someone knows about God. Let every word spoken be a confirmation in your spirit of a God you hear for yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because the Bible says many have led to the subverting of souls. You know what that means? It means that men which are against the spirit have set people against the spirit. You get it? And the Bible says that the reward of the wicked, right, is both for the one which is wicked and the one that sets others into wickedness. They all pay the same price because they've gone the same way against the way of the spirit. That is why we read the principles of God to understand what the word says in every aspect. You understand what I'm saying? In every aspect. In every aspect. Because many times we make God speak. As counseling a person, they were in marriage and they said, oh, you know, Apostle, I prayed for this marriage and God told me this is the man. But now my marriage has failed. Why did God tell me if he told me this is the man? And I asked this lady, is the man born again? She said, no. And I said, so you mean God went against his word. And told you to unequally yoke with an unbeliever. 
and you're paying the price of that. If he says do not unequally yoke, he means do not unequally yoke. He says what business has unrighteousness with righteousness or darkness with light? The words that I speak to you, he said, they are spirits and their life. You cannot tell me that God told you to marry a non-believer. That's not the voice of the spirit. That's rebellion against the spirit. And so when war comes on the border, now God, you're the one who said, what? He told you to unequally yoke with an unbeliever. No, it doesn't happen like that. Just ask God to help you. Tell God, I knocked. I made a mistake. Help me. Let him help you. He knows how to. Whether to serve the fellow, I don't know, but let him help you. But please don't say God told you. He doesn't speak like that. He does not set himself against the way of the spirit. You understand what I'm saying? You can never be convicted beyond principle. Underline that ever. Never forget that. You can never be convicted beyond what? The principle of the spirit. God told me not to tithe this year. <laughs> Wait. The spirit told you, no, that's a familiar spirit. Because you see, there are spirits that speak like God. God cannot tell you not to do what his principles have told you to do. It's not possible. It's not possible. It's not possible. If the word has told you the principle of forgiveness is even as I have loved you, how can you carry unforgiveness? How? You understand what I'm saying? How can you carry unforgiveness? If the Bible says, if a brother wrongs you, go to them. How can you skip them and go to another person and report that and think that because your heart, you're right? You can never be right. But you see, there are people, even after hearing this, they can do it. You understand? The scripture has told you, if a brother has wronged you, Go to them. If you fail to make amends, bring another one and sit down with them. If you fail three times, get another one and sit down with them. Now, at a particular point, you can regard them a heretic. At the first, second, admonishing a third, you have followed the principle of the spirit. Is that so? Now, how can you know that and a brother wrongs you and you still skip them and go and Report that matter. How? Do you see what I'm saying? How can you know what to do? To him that knoweth what to do and doeth it not. To him is what? You understand what I'm saying? I am exercising myself every other day. There are things I don't want to repeat before God. You understand? Because as you continue to grow in God, you see the price of setting yourself against divine order. Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5.3. The Bible says they lied to the pastor of the Holy Spirit. Were they in the grace dispensation? Yes. Christ had come. He had shed his blood at Calvary. Men were embracing the message of Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection. In a dispensation of this new life. In the world of present truth. The Bible says that Peter said to Ananias. 
Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? How can you lie? How can you tell a lie to the Holy Ghost? The Bible says him and the wife, they were stricken dead. You get it? In a New Testament church, I'm still trying to understand that, but it happened in a New Testament church. In Thessalonians, he speaks of quenching the spirit, 519. Now, quenching and resisting are two different kinds of things. Quenching is interrupting the operation. You understand? Resisting, you don't even engage with the operation. You don't even want to come. But you see, the quenching is a place where, I'll give an example. Um, if someone is speaking in tongues, then you tell them, stop speaking in tongues. That's quenching. Why? Because the Bible says they speak in tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. Now, if somebody is praying by the Spirit, how can you tell them stop? You understand what I'm saying? How can you command them to stop? How can you interrupt a preacher and tell him, stop preaching now? And they're preaching truth. Unless if they're preaching something else. But if they're preaching truth, you're in trouble. Because that means you have cut short the work of the intended ministry of the Holy Spirit at that hour. And anything that happens to the souls for whom you have intercepted of, you will pay the price of it. You see? See, sometimes we think that because we are under grace, huh? some of us think that sin is light. No, sin is as powerful as it desired God to bring his own son in the flesh. That's how powerful sin was. It was powerful. It had to bring Jesus here to die for your sins and mine. That's how powerful sin was. That's how big a deal it was. You get it? So when we live in the newness of life by the Spirit, let us not think that because he is the propitiation of our sins and because righteousness is imputed on us, it means that sin is nothing. It is something. We've not been called to that life. You understand? We've been called to the life of pleasing God. That's what God has called us to be. And you might not be perfect today. That's all right. But at least have the attitude of a man who has allowed God to work in them to perfection. Don't set yourself to say, you know, you can work on these areas, but not this one. God, here, this one, leave me. This one, that's me. You understand? That's, that's just me. It's how I do my things. That's just, that's just me right there. You understand? Those spaces, God, you don't talk. You get my point? No. We are all a work in progress. Are you hearing me? We are all a work in progress. And because we are a work in progress, his faithfulness and mercy every morning is there to the perfecting us. But you see, at least that we might have an attitude before God to always be open before him to deal with us. God should find your heart so humble to change if he shows you something. You understand what I'm saying? Why am I speaking about this? Because some of us have been so heavily called 
and so heavily anointed by God and so heavily mandated by God, so deeply assigned by God. Are you hearing me? And all we have in this walk definitively is the Holy Spirit, his person and the relationship that we have with him. You understand? That constant life of ever living to have the joy of the spirit with you. You understand what I'm saying? Because the joy of the spirit defines your liberties. And your liberties define access. And your access are the windows of the spirit. If the windows of the spirit lock up, the doors of utterance are frustrated. Because you'll not be able to give as you ought. Are you hearing me? Some windows don't come to give you mystery. Some windows come to star something. You understand what I'm saying? It's the progression of oil in every dispensation. Because God is entrusting you with a message, with a responsibility for the generation that you're in. Many things will come and toss you, hit you left, right, and center. That is okay. But you should never lose your relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Your conscience should never die to the things that bring joy. Because every time that joy is there, I've seen that that is the essence of the liberty. That is the essence of the liberty of the spirit. You will be amazed at how much is available for you by Christ. Has already been given by Christ. But because your heart is not set to understanding how to relate with the person of the Holy Spirit. Many things are held up from you. God has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He told the church in Corinthians that when I came to you, I wanted to feed you with meat. The windows were open. But he says, but I could not speak to you even as spiritual, but as unto carnal. He says, as unto babes in Christ. And he says, instead of giving you meat, I fed you with milk. For he says, up to now, if you still have envies and strifes and competitions and angers between you, and you yet as men. Now, because a man had strife in his heart, meat was available spiritually. And God said, uh-uh, let me continue giving him milk because this is what he needs. Let us go back to the first principles, which be of the oracles of God. Repentance from dead works. Faith toward God. Let's deal with these things. For if God permit this thing, Maybe we shall go deeper into other things. But if you're still at the place where your heart is held in strife, I will leave you there. Oh, imagine the things that were available for you. Do you know that one revelation can change your story? One like this. One experience with the Holy Spirit can change your ministry. One experience with the Holy Spirit can change your marriage, can change your business, can change your child, can get that incurable disease out of your body. One experience. And some think that because they sit under revelation, it means their windows are open. No. No. That's why he speaks of casting Paul to swine. It doesn't mean that because you have the best teacher, therefore you've received the best. No. The best teacher can give you milk or God can release meat and milk at the same time. That there are two people listening to me right now and there's one picking the meat of it and then another one taking the milk of it and there's one not drinking. You get where I'm coming from? 
Anything can close to you, but not these windows. Because those are the things that keep you alive. Those are the things that keep you relevant. Listen, even if they told you you have stage 4 cancer and your windows are open, you can't worry. Because you know, you still have things to do. And God cannot let you die with such a deposit. Are you hearing me? Do you understand what I'm saying? Why? Because every entrance through these windows gives us what to do. It gives us an assignment. It's the guarantee for my next Thursday service. It's the guarantee for my next week, next year. The thing that I'm ever confident about will continue to flow for as long as I'm alive. I will be deep. You understand why? Because the windows have to stay open. I am the source, Berakao, not Beraka. It's not just the blessing, but I'm the source of blessing. And that can come through revelation, through ideas, through wisdom, through understanding. The next best thing going to happen on the face of the earth is going to come out of somebody. Do you understand what I'm saying? But the windows must stay open. That is why we keep the Holy Spirit with a certain relationship. We continue building a certain relationship with him. Because you see, the Bible says he searches out the deep things of God. Even sounding the bottomless things. He releases sound of the deepest things you could ever release in God. Receiving God. There are people who could come in this same meeting and take milk. And another man can listen to me and receive meat. And another one received nothing. Paul taught about this same message. In Romans 3.8, he says, the scripture says, some say that we say, let us do evil so good should come. A man sat in Paul's meeting and a familiar spirit sat on his ears and he had Paul saying, sin. Why do you think they're against grace preachers? Because even as we are speaking, their ears are hearing something else. Their works. Their hearts are uncircumcised. Their necks are stiff. You get where I'm coming from? You need the Holy Spirit. I want you to just open your mouth and speak in other tongues. Talk to God. This is a personal thing. Talk to God. And I I'm desperate for you. Come on, speak to God. And I, I, I'm lost without you. Ooh. And I. Oh, 
the secret, the quiet place. In the stillness, you were there. In the stillness, quiet hour away, only for you. Cause I wanna know you more. I want to know you. I wanna hear your voice. I wanna know you more. I want to touch you. I want to see your face. Come on, talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God.
We refuse to resist you. We refuse to quench. We refuse to grieve you. We want to love you, God. Because you help us Holy Spirit we need you without you we can do nothing we cannot grieve who we love help us God we receive wisdom we receive it all tonight may our windows stay open our doors will be significant May our windows stay open. Our doors will continue to be distinctive. May our windows stay open. Our doors will write destinies. Write history. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you because you minister to people right now. God is ministering to somebody. that somebody on this ground is having an encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit like you have never seen 
power of the Holy Ghost. Power of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God is going to reveal Himself to you. You thought you knew Him, but you're about to see another realm, another place, another dimension of Him, like you've never seen before. I feel the Spirit of God is touching somebody into a place. I feel the person of the Holy Spirit is taking somebody somewhere like you've never been before. All you needed was to hear these things. Your heart would be aligned to the reality of His truth. an encounter. All you need it will sort everything. Thank you Lord. Oh. Thank you Lord. Give him a mighty hand of praise. Thank you Lord. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ and tonight as you are hearing the message you said God I've resisted you for so long now I want you in my life you're going to repeat these words after me say Lord Jesus I thank you for your love towards me thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised my glory tonight I receive you as my Lord and Savior I'm born again Amen The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International For more information contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at Fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero, make manifest. <laughs>